Let's see. Welcome you to uh, Porch Talk. I got a uh, I got Andrew Andrew Watkins on here with me today, and uh, hello. Here to do the catch up. So we just saw uh, the Giants' old ball coach get thrown out of a game. Yeah, he got thrown out. He <laughs> let them he let them have it. He told them what he thought of their calling <laughs> and what they do every game. Hey, yeah, up every game, every game. <laughs> Not not one. No. Not two. They. Every game. <laughs> and it's not just one umpire. It's all of them. That dude looked at him like, yeah. what? Some umpires must roll in gangs. They must have like, they probably do use the same ones. And not to mention it was the guy's 32nd Second time, time. <laughs> to be thrown out. Like My said, man, I'm for that. Yeah, it's like I said, I mean, that shows he supports his players. Like He cares. He he wants it to be fair. He wants them to not get treated unfairly. Mm. I'm with that. Sean James. Glad you're here and now let's get back to the show. Well man, let's start it off with this. We were talking about this TV show called Alone. Yeah, man. The show's awesome. So what's that about? What it's based on is this survival game. I think 22 people. It's either 22 or 24. It's an even number and it's in the 20s. They send them out to the Arctic. You know, it's up in like Canada somewhere. Yeah. Where it gets really, really cold. Like the ice froze on the lake in like a day. Blew my mind. <laughs> That's how cold it got, how fast. But anyway, 
they send them out and on the seasons before that show this this year this season the last person standing got 500k but this season it's 100 days to to a million dollars and i don't know if it's going to be like more than one person lasts more than 100 days the the producers probably are hoping that that don't happen <laughs> and i don't know if they'll do if there's a tie they might have like it might when it gets past a hundred days if there's more than one person it's they might just wait until them two are done and then the last one last standing one gets the money so let's just say it's a competition for a hundred days of surviving in the Arctic pretty much yeah you're camping what if what if you stay fifty days you get nothing so you, you have you have to win yeah yeah they get nothing and how many how many people are competing it's either twenty two or twenty four to begin with but like right now. There's only four people left. And, and they're 50, 50 some odd 50, days. Yes, between 50 and 60 days in, there's only four people left. And I honestly don't think I can make it a week. I said a week earlier, I lied. Maybe a day or two, and I, I want to go home. I miss my bed. I miss my bed. I miss my hot shower. I miss my warm SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I want to go home. Like these people, so these people, no, and it ain't just any average Joe like me or you neither. Like these people are like survival teachers. Like they teach, they hold classes. Some of them make a living teaching survival tips. So, I mean, these are above average survival experts, right? These are like Bear Grylls people, Lee Strout, right. Lee Strout people. So, I mean, we had this big thing at the end of Bear Grylls' career on television with this show oh, that come out to be like a, he was a total a fraud. Fake. He's a fake. He's a fake. I like his knife equipment. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, though. When it comes to survival, when it comes to camping, and it's something in 2021 I want to start doing like a lot more. I don't know if y'all have done any this year. Yeah, we went to, we just went to Elk, Elk River like a month ago. No, two months ago. And it was awesome because there's trout up there. Mm-hmm. And have you ever ate trout? I don't think I have, man. Bro, the best fish in the world. Yeah? The best fish. And I've ate them all, kind of. They kinda. It's the best fish, dude. And that, that number one, they don't have no scales. Okay, Ooh, they just got skin. That's sexy. It's like a catfish. Mm-hmm. You wrap it in aluminum foil, put you some uh, salt and pepper or some paprika. You can bring you a little kit. I got a little kit of seasonings. Uh-huh. You bring it with you. You wrap it in aluminum foil. You stick it on the side of the fire, dude. It's got bones like a brim, but you can grab it and pull it right off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is the best meat in the world. It was really fun, though, going to Elk River. It was like a 26-mile float. It took us three days. And that's yeah. that's like my limit, three days. Yeah, but I've, it was just a couple of days ago, I think uh, Dad went fishing with somebody, and they were bass fishing, and Dad doesn't really bass fish. Yeah. He, he normally just brim fish, or like he'll go with you just to go. Yeah. But uh, he was fishing, and he said, well, my buddy... He was using this scum frog, and he caught two, like, back-to-back, and they quit hitting it, so he let me start using the scum frog. You got you got any scum frogs in your tackle box? And I got to look, and I pulled my tackle box out, man. Uh, I've been looted. Uh-huh. Like, I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have anything, and I'm, I don't have a good pole right now. That, yeah. that rule I bought, you told mm-hmm. me not to buy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can throw anything. Okay. Yeah, that's... Wrong application for what I do, totally. Just like you said, but um, so I gotta I gotta get me a new reel, and I gotta replenish my tackle box. But just on the mindset of this survival is, you know, you have all these people who write these books, mm-hmm. or teach these classes even on survival. Like let's just take something primitive like uh, the gun safety courses around here to get your gun license. Yeah, the guy teaching it. You gotta have a little faith that he knows what, he he's, knows talking what he's talking about, mm-hmm. yeah. And not just in a specific case, but he's got a wide yeah. vernacular of understanding of pistol, revolver, rifle, shotgun, gun safety, in safety general. in general. Yeah, well, like the the women that's on this show. If you would have brought them to me before I watched them on the show, and been like they can teach you something, I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know about that. And it's not that I'm you know a sexist or nothing. But the thing is, there's not a lot of women doing it. So, a lot of women I know, and, and that's how stupid I am, that's how big of a moron I am, <laughs> is I think that just the the women around me that I interact with, you know, on a daily basis, is the only ones in the world 
But these women on this show... There's something else. There's two women left and two men left. So if that tells you anything... Yeah, pretty equal. And one of them, one of the girls, her name's uh, Kyland. She found like this lure just walking one day and she's caught like four fish. She went out on the ice, busted a hole through it, and she's been catching fish with it and eating it. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's plenty of rabbits on there. On the island where they're at, and there's plenty of rabbits. Uh, one guy killed a uh, a muskox, like a big muskox. What was he using? Well, he shot it with his bow and let it bleed out for like three hours, but he hit it in the hip. But then he had he used his pocket knife or not pocket to knife, finish it, but like a knife knife. Yeah, and ran up to it and stabbed Rambo. Him. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but they can't, the thing is they can't survive on that meat alone on rabbit alone mm-hmm. because they don't have no fat. You're still going to lose a bunch of weight. You're still going to burn a lot of calories more than what your body will put, can give you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you'll still be not malnutritious, malnutritioned. Malnourished. Malnourished, yeah. If you don't get that fat and then the fish have that fat that they need. But, bro, these people, they go, I mean, they're they're in it to win it. Every one of them's built a shelter that's like a small log cabin. I mean, they they know what they're doing, but there's also a, a lot of danger in it because I know uh, Amos is he's a Native American guy that's on there, or not Native American, he's a Spanish guy. Excuse me. Uh, he this past episode had a whole pack of wolves circling his camp. Now does he have like a button he can push that immediately well, they gets have out of the situation? They have satellite phones. Okay, and it's not immediate though. I mean, so they, you could get in some real trouble. Yeah, real quick. I mean, they call people and they tell them I'm officially tapping out. And then if, if it's before the water froze over, a boat will come get them. But if it, if the water's froze, then a helicopter comes and has to come and get them. Yeah. So, but them wolves are huge. The alpha come up with like three yards of his door and he's just sitting there looking at him. They're staring each other down three yards apart. This is a 150 pound, 160 pound dog. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about uh, coyote. We're not talking about Lassie. Mm-mm. We're talking about a full-blown, the original dog. The wolf. The wolf. Like what all other dogs stem from is this mm-hmm. one. And The dude, dog's dog. It gave me chills just watching it. You know, you see those... Because uh... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. He had made him a little spear for self-defense, and he had a bow and arrow. But still, you got eight of them. I mean, you never seen the movie The Grey? That's what I was about to bring up with Liam Neeson. Yeah. That's the movie I was about to reference. Is like, you don't understand how big these dogs are. They're powerful animals. And they are they got pack mentality. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see one. You can take a 50-pound Malinois, which is an average police dog, and I promise you he'll rip both of us down. If we put a bite sleeve on, Mm -hmm. he'll take us down with no problem. Yeah, yeah. No problem. That's only 50 pounds. Oh, I know. These dogs are three and a half foot tall. From from their paw to the back to the top of their back. Yeah, like they're huge, dude. And I'll tell you this is just as far as like you know, I don't believe that you were being misogynist either with your first comment. It's like to go back to the very primitive aspect of uh, society when we were first hunter and gatherers. Mm-hmm. The women would be gatherers and the men would be hunters. And even then, some men you see it play out in these comedy films or even some films when you go back to look on these times. If a man you know, I feel like a guy of our stature would automatically be a hunter just because of our stature. Mm-hmm. We're we're tall. We got a little weight on us. We, you know, we got yeah. a little athleticism about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fit for that job. Mm-hmm. If it's kind of a scrawny guy, he's probably going to be a gatherer. He's probably going to be picking berries. Yeah, both are needed. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with that society. But I mean, even with the evolution of today, just talking about American culture with the lack of fatherhood in the homes. You have these single moms who are uh, providing for these, you know, their family, yeah. and they're on their own. Mm-hmm. So the way that we do society today has changed completely. It's a lack of manhood. No doubt. Uh, people not stepping up to the plate. Leadership. True. Yeah. And so you have women now who are, you know, their mom and dad, you know, they're having to be both, somehow make it work. Yep. And that is not going to help society at all. No, oh, you need the nuclear family. Uh, you need the mom, dad, and the kids. I mean, that's the way that it was originally intended. Yeah, so that's what I say. It's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. It's the way the blueprints, it's what the blueprint says. Right. 
But man, back to like alone talking about that show yeah. is they get to bring so many items with nine them. Items. So, nine items. So you said most of them brought a bow. Every one of them that, and of course they don't. There's like I said, there's twenty over twenty people. They don't film every one of them. Yeah. And but they well everybody films herself, but they only show footage from so many, and it's the ones that make it. The yeah. longest, of course. Yeah, the good ones. But I have the ones they show. There's probably 12 they probably showed from the beginning of the season. And uh, every one of them had a bow and some arrows except for one guy. And he made it a lot longer than what I thought he would. But What did he bring? Do you remember? I, I mean, not all. He brought... Like a slingshot, at he least? He didn't bring any kind of weapon besides an axe. I mean, you can use an axe as a weapon, but that's more of a tool. And you don't want to break it trying to kill something. I'm thinking about this is like the bow is the most versatile thing. You know, I made the comment about, uh, well, nobody brought a gun. And he was yeah. like, well, you had to think about this. They're real peculiar on like items. So if you say a gun, each bullet's an item. So mm-hmm. if, let's say you had a revolver that chambered six. Yeah. That's seven. Mm-hmm. Then you got that's two. Two items left. That's a sleeping bag and a tarp. Mm-hmm. That's what you probably would. So I would, I would definitely be, I would bring a bow. I would bring two arrows. That's about what they brought. Two or three. And I would bring uh, some kind of a cover. A sleeping bag, definitely. Something I could keep warm in. You need a pot. Uh, some kind of Some kind of, yeah. Right. A pot. Food. Uh, some kind of a striker so I can make mm-hmm. fire. Yeah. That's essential. And uh, I would bring something along the lines of fishing, even though I would be confident enough with my bow that I could... Uh, you brought up a good point, because you can bring one item that'll last you a long time and catch fish with. And that's like a ball of twine. Make a gill net. That's what every one of them's done is made a gill net. Okay. And that gill net has caught on so many fish. Yeah. Because all they do is tie that gill net to a log, stick the log out in the water, fish swim through it, gills get hung, they got that fish. Mm-hmm. And I, I had never really seen nor heard of a gill net. We don't use them here in Alabama. No, we use a cast net. <laughs> we use a cast For net. cut bait. Yeah, but we don't use a gill net. And that is something I think I took from the show that I was like, you know, I might, it, if it gets real bad and I'm by a source of water, I could use it. You could use that. And I think it would work really well. And it did for them. One guy had like 20 fish at one time. That's how many he had. And he like cut them up and smoked them to where they'd last. Yes. And he ate on them forever. That's another thing. It's like you got to be able to think about how you're going to prepare. What if you had a really good day where you had 20 fish? Uh-huh. What if you go two weeks without yeah. squat? Exactly. That's another, you, you can't just walk it. down to the Walmart neighborhood and just grab. Yeah. And that, that poses another danger to the, some of the contestants because some of them, where they put it, they'd be like, okay, fish ain't here no more. i got to find somewhere else. Right. And yeah. then the further they go, the more dangerous, <clears throat> the more dangerous the slopes are, the more dangerous the water is, whatever. Yeah. A couple guys has failed. You know, he called it, one guy called a place Danger Rock. He caught a fish every time he put his net out there. But he about died every time he went to get the fish. So, I mean, it was like, you got you to gotta risk it, it. You got to risk it if you want to eat. You know, you got to have that fat for that from that fish to make it. And not to mention, once again, you're out in the open wild, so you have to keep in mind, like you said earlier, that you're not the only predator. No, at all. And by the way, you're alone. And Yeah, and every one of them has seen a bear. It's a black bear. It ain't no grizzly bear. Right. Which is... If I'm going to see a bear, I'd rather Well, in the Arctic, bear. you know, I wouldn't want to see a polar bear. They say that are the absolute yeah. worst. I don't know if they're that far enough north to see a polar bear, but I'm a moron, so <laughs> I don't know. But uh, If it wasn't the Arctic, do you think that you would be more comfortable if it was like in a terrain like what we have here? Depending on the time of year. Like, I wouldn't want to be out there. Because it's crazy you put somebody out in the dead of winter. Yeah. Well, actually, where they're at, it's cold year-round. Yeah, okay, it is but, Arctic. But it, it, when they first got there, it was fall because it wasn't snowing. And as they go, it changed dramatically. Like I said earlier, the, the, the ice on the lake seemed like it froze over in like one, one to two days yeah. at max. That's a big old piece of water, too. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... For it to get that cold that quick, it's just that's a different cold. We don't know what that is. That's what I was about to say. Is <laughs> like that know. would be a complete disadvantage to us altogether because number one, we've never, never been in that been environment. Out. Yeah, exactly. And it like, would suck. 
we've probably seen, you know, I think I might have seen seven degrees once. Maybe. But we're talking probably negative 30. We think wind chill's bad, but when you get into where they're at where the temperature is, is seven, then the wind chill's negative, yeah. that's what makes it really bad. Yeah. But, yeah, man, that show, there's a lot on it that, I've, like I said, I've learned a lot from it. Of course, every time I go camping, I go camping, I've went like twice by myself, and I don't like it. I don't know if I would go it's by fun. myself. No, it's not fun. I've got a buddy of mine, he'll go to national parks by himself, and like he goes and checks out all the waterfalls, and he'll hang out in that park for three days, and you know he'll bring like trail mix and things, yeah. but he also tries to catch fish. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know if I would want to do it by myself. I don't know. I think that would be an experience I'd want to share. It's really not fun with two people. You it want can, more, huh? It can be, but... And you think it's like, oh yeah, it's just gonna be like it's gonna be me and I, you know, some good bro time, we get together, you know, yeah. have a good time. Then like golf there, or something. Yeah. Then you get out there and you're trying to go to sleep and you're hearing stuff and you're like, okay, one or two things are gonna have to happen. Either I'm gonna have to defend myself or I'm gonna have to learn how to run faster than Allen. Yeah. Like it's it's one of them situations. But like the like when we went to Elk River, I think there was nine of us, seven. No, it was seven of us. That was that was the most comfortable I've been. Yeah, I put myself right in the middle of everybody else. So whatever was coming into camp was going to hit them. Yeah. Uh, but it was funny because we, we took Jamal with us. And uh, Jamal was freaking out because we saw, we saw it was a mountain lion. Like, it was no dope, no joke. It was it was a mountain lion. <laughs> I told him it was a bobcat to try to keep him cool. And he said, hey, it didn't have no bobtail. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, where'd I put my pistol? Yeah. <laughs> and my clip. But uh, every time I go with Jeff, I main people I go with is, is Jeff and Matt. And every time I go, I learn something from them because, you know, Matt was an Eagle Scout. Jeff's been camping for ever. ever. Yeah. So, like, every time I think that I'm getting where I need to be, knowledge-wise of what I would need to bring, what's essential, yeah. what, what is not, not essential and what will get in the way, yeah. what is wasted space. And then I, I go with them and I'm like, dang it, I'm stupid. But it keeps me humble. And it keeps me keeps my mind knowing that, hey, I don't know it all. I still have a lot to learn and I need to pay attention. You can never, that's the thing about like these comfort zones, like our homes, you know, right? is we can let our guard completely down. The few times I've been camping, it's not that I was a nervous wreck or, you know, that I was always on edge, but I never did have the sense of comfort. Like, mm-hmm. I always felt alert. Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. have to. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're not in a controlled environment anymore. Yeah. You're interacting with things that normally don't interact with you. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how they're going to take you. And you know what I learned from that? What to bring? Chamomile tea. Cause it will put you to sleep. That stuff is good. I don't know if you've ever drunk it. Never had it. It's really good. I hadn't either until Jeff gave me some. And when I drank it, within five minutes, I was like, I'm going to lay down, guys. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> I'm done. But if you want to get into it, I'm going to give you and the listeners a kind of beginner pack of what they need to bring Ooh. that I think they need to bring. Because nobody did this for me. And the first time I went, the only thing I brought was my kayak and my hammock. And I froze to death. And it was in the middle of summer, so I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to get cold. Oh, bull crap. You, it gets cold on creek I bed ended up night. sleeping on the bed by the fire. Yeah. <clears throat> on the ground. I'm sleeping on the ground, excuse me, on the bed. Bed of leaves. I suggest to everyone to get a hammock. Is it permathon that's good for ticks? Yes. Yes. I suggest everyone gets a hammock. You're going to need a pad. A sleeping pad, whether it's a foam one or a little blow-up one, but you're gonna want that in your hammock because even in a sleeping bag, when you're laying down in that hammock, it's gonna press that fabric tight, and the air is still gonna get you cold on at least whatever side you're laying on. Mm-hmm. I had that took me two trips to figure that out. You're gonna need some way of boiling water because it, you can bring bottled water with you, but that's space, and it's heavy, and it makes everything heavier. And it's just annoying. But you need some some way of making a pot to use to boil water, make coffee, whatever. Uh, 
I always the probably the the most civilized thing that I do as far as bringing from home. They have these freeze. Uh, what do you call it? Freeze dry. It's like astronaut food. Mm-hmm. It's Mountain House. And dude, I every time I'd seen them and seen Matt and Jeff eat them, I was like, that cannot be good. Until I tried a breakfast skillet, and it was amazing. It tasted so good. I was like, how have scientists figured this out to make something that looks like a piece of like foam turn into an egg? Check this out. So, so I mean, you know, like with uh, with our army, they have these uh, packs, and they'll be like MREs. Yeah, which are it's uh, kind of the same. Thing. It has, you know, you you slip this into a pack, you slip it into a pack, and you put it like by a rock or mm-hmm. something, and it yeah it heats, heats itself it up. up to the temperature, and then you eat it. Yeah, and you got like real basic stuff. It's like uh, meat, sauce, spaghetti. Uh huh. And, you know, it's not going to be anything like uh, having spaghetti at home, but no. it's going to be wholesome. It's going to be something mm-hmm. that you crave. Cause well, the, with the MRE, they're focused more on uh, recarbing people. Right. And Protein, get, calories, yeah. calories back in you. It'll make you crap like clay blocks. But yeah. It, that's what that's focused on. It's made for where you can eat one and go for a day off just what you got from that. The mountain house, you had to. It's not like MREs. You had to have boiling water and, uh, to cook it or whatever. Uh, a sleeping bag. Even if it's a, if you're hot natured, I don't care. Put your guard down and listen to me. You're gonna need a sleeping bag. And besides that, a tarp. And the tarp is made to go over you. If it's summertime, you definitely don't want to go without. A, a, some kind of bug net but a lot of hammocks you can buy come with a bug net mm-hmm. so but I usually just sleep I, I, I'll I'll zip my sleeping bag all the way up like yeah. a coffin yeah well I got a mummy one it's a mummy bag and I like it but I don't it's good to keep me warm because I like we went camping when it was 20 something degrees yeah and it kept me warm I didn't get cold at all but I don't like not being able to move my feet you know because okay. you're like a mummy yeah. It's like straight up. But yeah, you get your stuff together. Start buying it little by little. When fall comes, we'll go. Screw so, next year. Let's do it this year. Sounds good to me. We can float the channel in my canoe. And I wanted to go here with you. Because uh, you brought it up earlier this week. You wanted to go see my buddy, Jerry. Yeah. All right. So uh, for those of you, we've talked about uh, bow making on the show maybe three or four times now. But uh uh, Jerry, he lives right down the road from me. He's the guy that taught me how to make bows, and uh, even Andrew's made a bow. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple other friends sit in and make bows as well, and I've really been wanting to get back into the craft of uh, making strings, and I want to make another bow, and I also want to take more time than I've ever, you know, every bow I made there, it took longer than what it was supposed to take, because... Yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was thorough. Mm-hmm. I, wanted I don't to do even the, remember how I got into that. Like, how'd you get me over there? We were shooting my bow out in the yard sh- one day. You were shooting it? Okay. Yeah, and he was like, it's cool, man. I want to yeah. do it. And I was like, well, it's not a big deal. Uh, we can we can definitely uh, I, do that. I want to make one out of Bodoc. I know that one's the most uh, you know, tedious. But to me, I like, I like Bodoc. It's a beautiful piece I of use, wood. I use it when I make my knives. I make a lot of knife handles out of Bodoc because it's hard and it lasts forever. I don't know if it's the same thing with that, but when you think about a longbow, you're you're thinking, okay, me and you are we're six one and six three. Yeah. And so that's seventy three inches and seventy five inches. So you want a bow that's going to be you might not, but typically you want a bow that's two inches taller than you. Well, see, I'm, I was even looking in. I remember one time when we was over there, he showed us a pony boat. I kind of want one of them. You want to make a pony? I want to make a pony boat. Maybe that could be something that we could do together. But yeah. you know the thing about the pony bow is, uh, so we're talking maybe four foot. It's like a light bow. Like a light bow on like a Assassin's Creed or something. Assassin's Creed has light bows. Well, so 
it's going to be 48 inches. It's going to be about four foot, and it's going to have. It's going to be extremely powerful. Like the point of a pony bow is, you'll you won't be man enough to pull it to fall, full draw. And like it's probably what 100 pound. No. More 120. No. 150. Really? Yeah. So I'm you saying, leave it strung up. No, you don't leave it. No, you don't leave it strung up. But like that's it was a pony bow. The Indians would you know shoot these bows off ponies and they're made to pull so back and let go they're made to pull back and let go so you needed a lot of power you were only going to fire it at half draw and it would just sing yeah. as you know um that's why I wanted. That, that's why i wanted to make it was just for the history of it and to do it as traditional as possible and jerry knows how done, he's done it um, oh that's, that's the only place i've ever seen one yeah and that, that i wanted that to be my next project i wanted to do another hickory i wanted to make another hickory longbow I wanted to, you know, take it out to uh, when farmers markets and these festivals become an art festivals become a thing again, and like I'd have a couple wares to show and be like, mm -hmm. I do this. We could bring some of my knives too. Mm -hmm. I think I want to know where he gets the wood though. That's one thing we need to ask him because like that Bodog, every piece I've ever got for handles, oh, it's I know, been crooked. I know. It's been so crooked. Like I don't well, know how you can make a bow out of it or find a piece straight enough. You have to. Uh, a lot of times with bowlock, it, it is that way. You have to um, you have to teach the wood, uh, so like soak it and bend it, or put it in clamps. Uh, usually with a little bit of heat, and you'll wrap it in cloth. But then you have to think about the integrity of the wood. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to do that too much because there's humidity in the wood, and that's the difference between hickory and osage or bowlock is hickory uh, holds a lot of humidity in it. It holds a lot of liquid. And so that's why it develops things like string follow over oh. over time. And that's why you want to, when you make a hickory longbow, let's just say you're comfortable with a 50 pound draw. You can you can draw that all day. Well, you in reality, you want to make it, when you first make that bow, 58 pounds. Because it's going to develop string follow and it's going to lose its power mm -hmm. after some years. But with Osage, it won't because it doesn't hold that uh, hum humidity as good. And so when you start teaching it how to do things, it doesn't have uh, the same fibers as hickory as far as malleability. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll sh hopefully he'll show you the woodshed and you can see that I, he's, I he's got a lot of great. He's got a lot of great yeah. pieces. He's got some gnarly pieces in there too. Where you know, it's got so many knots, and it just turns. Yeah. It almost turns completely on itself. Yeah. Uh, that goes a lot into, like, how you, when the tree is cut and you make the stave, how you keep it. Mm. You need a you need a, a place like he's got to keep the humidity out to an extent. Yeah. You want to dehumidify it to an extent. Well, that's definitely what I was wanting. I was wanting to, that shows alone is what made me. We talked about that with bows and arrows. It made me want. It made me think, that show makes me think, okay, if stuff hits the fan, government shuts down, and years from t t 10, 15, 20 years from now, you know, we don't have nothing like we have now, you know, how long will I be able to supply my family with what they need? And I don't want to be the only one in my family who can do it, neither. I want to be able to teach my wife and teach my little girl how to make it yeah, sure i mean that's the thing about hickory right is like i could make a you know if it's a if it's a good piece of wood you could make a hickory bow in a day and that's not counting like it would be ready to be strung up and shot that's yeah, not saying finishing. you know putting the finish on and like doing staining your best to whatever staining and like keeping the excess humidity and trying to keep the string follow out as much as possible mm -hmm. but that's the thing about it if it's a survival thing is especially if you had a bandsaw you can make three hickories in one day yeah because the the hardest thing at the beginning of a hickory stave is you have to get it to a bow shape you can quickly do that with a bandsaw or you can you know whittle it out whittle it out and the first time i done it i chose to whittle it out you know you use a thing called a draw knife it's yeah. a blade that has a handle on both sides and you just draw the wood yeah i remember that joker yeah i mean plenty of blisters Real pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, so I'm. Um, you can do it as primitive as you as you like, or you can do it as you know manufactured as possible. It's whatever, yeah. whatever you want to do. I think for the integrity of the wood and for you to know that piece of wood, it's obviously always better to do it the yeah. primitive way. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about survival. Yeah. Like what if I needed ten bows in five days? 
well, hopefully I got a bandsaw, then we got to think about uh, string. Just going to go somewhere and get string? Yeah, exactly. You got to learn how to make that and twirl it up and make the loop, make the loop hold. I think I think everyone should do it manually first. Because if you got manually, you can do it with a bandsaw easy. Yeah. And then, like, another thing I think about a lot, too, is how crazy the world is today. And I'm 30 years old. We're 30. Yeah. 30 years from now, what's the world going to be like for my daughter? It scares me to death, man. You know? And me, too. So I'm thinking... I need to do the best I can and do better than what I'm doing now and teach her. Of course, she's only four, so I mean, ain't much I can teach her. But I mean, I've, I've taught her how to fish. She knows how to do it. She can tell me what to do to tie yeah. a hook. She can tell me what to do to get the fish off the hook. She won't do it because mm-hmm. she's a girl and she's scared of it, I guess. It's, it's ooey, as she says. But, yeah. Slimy. Oh, slimy, yeah. Sure. But I think everyone should do it manually first because then, I mean, it's just like machining. Like, when I went to school for machining, I learned the manual side first and then the computerized. And there's stuff that you can do with the computerized stuff that you can with the manual. It's just going to take you longer because you got to have a perfect setup. you got to have a program just right. you got to have the right tools. Uh, you got to have clearance uh, or however you're clamping your part when you could just do it in 15 minutes on a manual lathe or... Yeah, and another thing about like the whole primitive art is, um, you know, you don't you, you don't know where our government is going to stand on guns um, exactly. in the future. You don't know if it's going to be something where it's going to be a mandatory buyback to where the government buys your guns back and mm-hmm. you'll be fined if you don't participate. You don't know what any of that's going to look like, mm-hmm. and that's my thing. Is like I can make multiple tools i can make a sling bow i can make a slingshot i can make a bow out of i'm comfortable with three different type of wood i can make my arrows if need be like uh you know me anyway i I prefer primitive over a gun but i respect uh having a gun because um i I believe you need a gun in in today's world like with camping or Mm -hmm. uh I mean, self-defense. I'm not saying that we should all just be free, open carrying and just waving guns around, but my God, if that's one thing that this day and age has taught us, it's like you don't know who you're about to be dealing with. At, you can't trust nobody. Yeah, you don't know. I don't and I would, I would always hate for it to come to that, but like, if it's me versus you, I pick me every time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you got to look out for number one. got to look out for number one. I don't trust myself sometimes, so why would I trust anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, whatever the nature of guns is like, well, uh, I can still come up with weapons. I can still provide. if what, Whatever the future looks like, I have some confidence in that. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I believe there's value in that. Mm-hmm. Not to say it would ever come to that. It's like if I ever thought of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about going and talking to Jerry about it. Like I said, first thing I want to do is I want to make new strings and um, uh, I want to put my bow up and uh, till it and teach the limbs how to bend again and watch my bows bend and see, you know, if there's anything after all these years that's going on that maybe they don't need to be strung. Yeah. And then I want to start building bows again. Mm-hmm. Not anything fast, like you know. I don't care if it be a side gig. Yeah, it's just something that I could do in my time, on my own time. Because yeah. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to write and take notes, and I wanted to to have that for people. Or video it. Yeah, I, I wanted to have that information out for people. If if, and I'm gonna tell it as simply and as plainly as I as I can. Yeah. And for those of you who are a little more adept into woodworking, I'll we'll, we'll talk about some more advanced things. You know, however way you need you need to hear it. You know what I mean? We need to make a documentary. That'd be fun. We can make a documentary about it. And, uh, show us show how us Alabama people make them. You'd have a uh, you'd have a you'd have hours worth of bloopers if you <laughs> if you did a documentary on me making another Osage. Hmm. Oh my God, it, man! Throwing stuff. What? What? Tell me about that, because I've done forgot. I know that there's something about the rings in the wood. So, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing is like when you when you pick out your 
your your stave is you're gonna go outside you're gonna clamp it down and you're gonna you're gonna take a big draw knife it's gonna take a lot of wood off at a time and you're gonna start finding the ring now you're gonna take a lot off intentionally at the be- yeah. at the beginning because we're talking about a stave of wood we're talking about a yeah. four four inches thick four yeah half you don't need all thick. that you need a no. you know half inch maybe yeah yeah so you're taking a lot off but um you have to find a ring in that Osage. And the hard part is once you have found that ring after carving so much off carelessly to where you've been practicing, now crap has gotten real. <laughs> you're really hot. You're tired by this yeah. time. A little aggravated. Aggravated, sure. Because it's, golly, it's frustrating work at first. Like, I find it, it's, there's a lot of joy in it, but there's a lot of pain, too. Yeah. Um, and... You get to your ring, and this is what happened to me. I followed it out to my last draw, and I cut into the next one. Mm. And then I didn't follow that one. <laughs> and then I didn't follow the next one. And Jerry walked out because like, I, had, I had thrown the draw knife, mm. and I was just sitting with my, my face in my hands, and I was just on the ground just looking at that piece of wood, you know, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and he walked out there, and he was just laughing. He, what is it? And I said... I've got one chance left with this piece of wood. Mm-hmm. I was down to my last ring. If it went one deeper, yeah. that wood would have been no good. It had been a piece of scrap. And uh, I, 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 got, I got one more chance at this. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, well, what you got your hands in your face for, man? Get up and go do it. And I said, I just need you to stop. I was like, I've, I've messed up three, four times straight now. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I don't feel confident enough for the fifth. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's only one way to find out. Only one way to go. Yeah. And got it down, worked it down to that last draw, and got it. And then we took it in there, and you start working on the limbs. And, the inside and, of them? Mm-hmm, the yeah. insides. Yeah. And uh, you start carving all that down, and then you start running into things such as knots, and like what you mm-hmm. run into that on the other side. That's another thing about when you pick a piece of wood out. There's a lot of things that's going to be out of your control. You can't see it. Yeah. Sometimes you can't see yeah. it until you're three quarters of the way. With those knots, you got to be careful with that because, like, uh, it'll snap. Right, and when you're when you're uh, drawing out and following the ring, coming down with that draw knife, you have to be careful when you get to that knot because it's a yeah. little misleading. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the where the knot was. I ended up being able to make an arrow rest on it, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that worked out great. Worked out all right. When did, when you, when we was whittling it down on the inside, we did that before we started tapering it, didn't we? Yes. So the tapering is like close to the end. It is. Okay. That's what I thought. I couldn't really remember. Yeah. You don't, you don't start. so long, dude. That's you, what, st- you don't start tapering until like, uh, you're drawing it out and it's pretty much looking like a square at this point yeah. until you start, then you start designing what you want it to look like. And then by this time, it's like, what's crazy about these pieces of wood is you might leave it and it'd be fairly straight with no crooks and no twist. But you come back the next day and it might start twisting on you. And then, like, you start seeing the actual behavior of the wood after a little bit's taken off of it. And then it starts doing, like, what it naturally wanted to do if there wasn't so much of it. Yeah. And so then you have to be like, well, hmm. Now I have to re <laughs> have to reevaluate yeah, this. Re engineer. Yeah, that was a long time ago when we made them. Dude, it's oh, been nine, t- ten years. Ten years at least. No, it's been over that. I would say closer to fifteen, dude. Well, we was out of school. You was. Yeah, I made my first one when I was uh, 15, four, 14. And then was I was I working on my boat out while you were making your hickory then? You was working on something. I don't I don't remember what I was doing. I done one I done a half project with uh Jerry uh that was one that was sold. And he let me that might have been what we was working on. Because was we working on it together or was I by myself? No, we we was you was working on yours and I was working on mine. We I was working on my boat out then. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the one that was for sale, me and Jerry would, like, take turns on it. But, like, my bow dock was just me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been... Oh, man. 
10, 15 years at least. That's crazy, you know? Time flies. I'm telling you what. It ain't going to do nothing but get faster. Have a kid. Carly turned four yesterday. I remember when she was born. You know what the thing about like my friends' kids now is like those are like little trackers for me. It's like uh, how old you? Getting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, golly, that kid's getting tall. Yeah, that's one thing. Her, her, she's getting tall, dude. She's oh, uh, she measured. I measured her. So we started drawing lines on the doors uh, with her the other day, and she's over half the height of Jessica. She's a good six inches past Jessica's waistline. I, mean, I bet she's already taller than my nephew. She probably is. I'm shooting for WNBA. Hey, yeah. Every time she wants a basketball, I buy it. <laughs> I'm like, come on, let's go practice. Yeah, man. I'm like, let's dribble. Let's dribble. <laughs> she knows how to do it. She just ain't great at it yet. But she's getting there. Yeah. Daddy's working on an early retirement. There you go. Anything else to do? Uh-huh. Man, you ready to walk this thing out? Let's do it. I do. Andrew, thank you so much for sitting down with me for an episode of Poach Talk. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man. It's good to have you back on, and uh, let's get out of here. All right. That was easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. We're going to walk the thing on out the door now of a song called Diamonds in the Dark by David Newbode. Peace out. We'll see you next time. One, two.
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.